You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Morphology Podcast, aka Murph here, to share interviews about biking experiences from cyclists who have pedaled to places all over. Each week, we will get to know new people and explore new destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to these adventures, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? Well, this week, meet the guys from ReadyRiders.Bike. Mike and Steve recently packed up their bikes and rode the entire Great American Rail Trail. It took them 90 days to pedal over 4,000 miles of mixed terrain surfaces passing through 14 states as they made their way from Washington, D.C. to Washington State. They are on to tell us about their experiences biking across the country with everything they needed packed on their bikes. And speaking of rails to trails... I interviewed Kevin Belanger, a trail planner for Rails to Trails, back in episode 89 you might want to check out. Kevin's focus is on the Great American Rail Trail Project, which you'll learn is an effort to connect a multi-use trail across the country. So far they have over half of this complete, over 2,000 miles. And Rails to Trails is a nonprofit organization. You can check out their website at railstotrails.org. And you should also check out the Ready Riders blog at readyriders.bike. If you happen to be listening to this episode in November or December of 2022, you can participate in the Morphology 200 Mile Winter Challenge especially if you need some inspiration to stay active once cold weather moves in. You can check out the link in the show notes or head on over to the Morphology Podcast website and find the link. In the meantime, here's Mike and Steve. Well, today I'd like to welcome both Mike and Steve to the podcast. Hey, guys. Hi, everyone. Hi, Kathy. Nice to have you on. And for those of you out there who have never heard of the Great American Rail Trail, uh, that is what we're going to be talking about today. And both Mike and Steve recently tackled the Great American Rail Trail. And um, I'm pretty excited to hear about it. Yeah. um, You know, we we picked the route because both Steve and I are uh, in the rail uh, trail, you know, club, if you will. We're members. And, uh, you know, we wanted to spend more time in nature and see how this uh, rail trail is across country. We, we knew going into it, uh, about 52% of it was actually on rail trails. The rest was on, you know, normal roads. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's the, the main attraction there. And for those of you who don't know what this is, uh, there's a website. It's just called railstotrails.org. And so the vision is a 3,700-mile rail trail that goes across the United States. And like you mentioned, it's not quite complete yet, but I know they have the funding for it. They're um, heavily promoting that they're getting ready to you know, secure rails that will become trails. It's a pretty uh, interesting, uh, not to mention that it's all a nonprofit. So pretty cool. It's also, uh, you know, it meanders through 14 states. And, you know, if what you're trying to do is get across the country quickly, uh, that's probably not the most direct path. Yeah. But, uh, Mike was our main navigator, but we went 
mostly along the Great American Rail Trail. And they, you know, they have different, set, you know, for in Ohio, we were on the northern part of the state. We were on the southern part of the state. Oh, wow. You know, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't direct at all. And people ask us, well, why are you going there? And the only answer we could give is because that's where the next segment uh, is available to us. Sure, sure. And you're right. I mean, if you actually if you wanted to get across the United States as fast as possible, you would probably be in an airplane, a train, <laughs> a car, you know, those sorts of things. So it is cool to be able to see so much of the countryside. And, um, you know, I'm a little biased because I live in Iowa and I. I spend a lot of time on the rail trails in my community, so I'm going to be probably bugging you a little bit about, you know, did you like Iowa? Which I already know you did because I read your blog. But, um, okay, so back to specifically your route, you went over 4,000 miles. Is that correct? Yeah. I computed that we went pretty close to 4,100 uh, you know, not all of our equipment worked perfectly every day, but I manually kept track of them. And I went back afterwards and the exact number I came up with, 4,087 miles. Wow. Whether, whether that's precise or not, who knows, but you know, it's pretty close. And how many days did that take? Exactly 90 days. 90 days. And did you, like, you know, when you were planning this trip, did you say, I want to get it done in less than 100 days, or I want to get it done in 90. Like, what, what was exactly. your... Exactly. Uh, it was less than 100 days. I'm uh, I'm sort of fanatical about numbers, and I wanted a two-digit number, not a three-digit number. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And, you know, this is the longest we've been away from our wives, and, um, you, know, it, 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 you know, it didn't want to stretch it too long. As long as we were having fun, that was that's the main thing. Yeah, yeah. And, okay, so you said you're a numbers guy. It sounds like both of you are to some extent. So do you want to share any stats about the trip, you know, whether it's mileage? You know, we briefly talked about the route. Like, give us the scoop. I'll let Steve go with that one. Well, I'll start, and then, Mike, you can add to it, I guess. Uh, so, yeah, uh, 4,087 miles uh, from Washington, D.C., to uh, Washington State. We actually made it all the way to the ocean, mm. uh, to Rialto Beach. Uh, so, you know, we, we totally, we went the full distance for sure. We climbed 121,122 feet. Woo. And that, in, that I'm, I am most proud of that. Um, but anyway, uh, we climbed several uh, mountain passes, but the two highest were, of course, in the Rockies. And uh, the highest one was entering in Yellowstone East Entrance, and we climbed 8,530 feet. That's the Sylvan Pass. Mm. And then leaving uh, the Rockies, uh, we climbed a Pipestone Pass, which was 6,453 feet. And for me, the reason I'm most proud of that is because we're fully loaded. You know, we were touring. Now, these were on roads at the time that we made those passings because that was the only option available. Mm -hmm. And when you say you're fully loaded, how does that work when you're on some of those trails? I mean, were most of them limestone or were you like bouncing around on, you know, rugged trails? 
Well, you know, for example, in eastern Washington, it was uh, kind of thick gravel. They just sort of poured it on there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, limestone would be a privilege. There, there's a lot of areas where it's just, you know, dirt and rocks. And uh, that was an example. Another example was the Cowboy Trail um, was the gravel was too thick, you know. And uh. So it was put on there by people who don't ride bikes, I guess. Um and, uh, you know, it, it, there was a lot of resistance um, on that. I think it'll get better over time. And mm-hmm. as they get more and more feedback, hopefully, um, they'll, you know, improve that. But it's almost like if they were to do less and put on less gravel, it would be actually better. Uh, right. So, yeah, I, I suppose the biggest frustration on the surface, on the trail surface or whatever it was, uh, some places had gravel that was too thick. Mm-hmm. I, I have the cowboy trail on my list, so it sounds like before I tackle it, I need to find out if the terrain has been changed a little. <laughs> yeah, and you might consider uh, getting three-inch tires instead of two-inch tires like we had. Um, two-inch tires sort of sunk in a little bit uh, more. They were great tires overall, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, we wish we had, you know, wider tires for that and uh, the Palooza Cascade um you know, section of Eastern Washington. Going back to some stats, when you're looking at the route, you know, like we said, if you go to um, the website, you can actually see the route for Rails to Trails. But since it's not all complete, you were you planning your route days ahead of time, hours ahead of time, or did you have it set before you guys started? Well, I had it set. I spent, you know, dozens of hours uh, drawing the map. And if you look at the rails to trails, you know, route, there's a there's basically three sections, the uh, an official trail and then sort of a recommended route. And those were in red. And when they really didn't have any, um, they, they put gray boxes. <laughs> so there were a lot of gray boxes. And that's where it was entirely left up to, you know, the rider. Ah. But I had planned those all ahead of time. Um, and, uh, you know, we had, we had some flexibility. We made adjustments, I would say overall, you know, 10 or 15% adjustments, you know, along the way, but I used, um, ride with GPS to literally draw out the uh, map. And I think the re- one of the main reasons I chose that was, uh, the free edition of, of ride with GPS lets you draw maps. Uh, oh, okay. whereas I think Strava, you, you only get the, the route drawing capability um if you uh pay the lowest tier i believe at least that's what it was when when i started this project so you have your route um semi predetermined um you you know you know a beginning point and an end point as far as the entire trip because you did washington dc to washington but what was a typical day like yeah so i mean we we would wake up uh, you know, listening to the birds chirping typically and just let the light and the birds uh, wake us up. And we would uh, almost immediately have uh, coffee and, and oatmeal. And the reason we had the oatmeal is because, uh, you know, we tried to go to the first restaurant, you know, we would find sometimes that was a mile away and sometimes it was 21 miles away. Sure. Um, but uh, we would ride, we'd see how we felt. We kind of made a pact that we wouldn't uh, ride in above 95 degree heat. And uh, if we knew the weather report was going to be, you know, hot, which is probably the biggest ongoing battle, we would wake up at, you know, 4.30, 5 o'clock and get on the road, uh, you know, to finish before it got to 95 degrees. 
you know, so that was, uh, and we would stop along the way. We would, uh, you know, eat lunch almost uh, at restaurants as, as, as best we could. And sometimes that was uh, a gas station. And then if we would eat at a, a restaurant for dinner or a bar, uh, whatever, and uh, oftentimes we'd have, you know, a beer at, at night and uh, sit around camp. Awesome. And I was just going to ask that. Are you camping most of the time or are you finding Airbnbs or are you using like an app like Warm Showers? Uh, we did Warm Showers. Um, yeah, for I think uh, seven times uh, we slept in people's homes. Sometimes that was uh, just volunteer, but I think there were four or five official Warm Showers um, you know, visits. But most of the time we were camping. Um, some of the days were just too darn hot and, uh, we, or we wanted to stay an extra day or we were in a city. And so those were motel days, um, eight, eight days, um, uh, our records. So that's an awful lot of camping. <laughs> if you're, you know, you're, uh, in a, uh, Airbnb, or I'm sorry, if you're in a warm showers host or a hotel less than 20 days. So, I mean, that's an awful lot of camping. We got pretty good at it. You know, we had a drill. Uh, again, we wake up to the sunlight or, you know, first light with the birds would wake us up and we had a drill and we kind of had a, a, I don't know if it became a pact, but it certainly became a pattern of behavior that we were on the road by 730 most mornings. And, you know, we would ride our 50 miles a day, you know, plus or minus a few on most days. And yeah, we uh, we stayed in in you know official campsites. You know, I called them government campsites, be they national, state, or regional parks. Mm-hmm. But we also stayed in city parks, which was a big surprise to me. And we stayed in RV parks. You know, so we we stayed wherever we could. But the city parks, it just surprised me. I'm I'm not used to the idea of rolling into a small town. Going and just, you know, going down Main Street till you find the, the, the main city park and there would inevitably there would be a shelter and a drinking fountain and a restroom that was open. And as often as we could, we would call the city clerk and say, is it OK? But after a while, we begin to realize, sure, it's OK. Nobody cares. Oh, and wow. it's, OK. it's OK to camp. And <laughs> only once in the entire trip of all those uh you know, 50 or 60 times that we actually camped, did we have a sheriff come visit us? And I ended up talking to the guy and he was polite and kind and he, he, he wasn't worried about us. So, uh, I, of course I treated him with respect too, because, uh, he had the advantage. He could kick me out. <laughs> sure. Yes. I have had that yeah, happen that was, before. That was, in, uh, that was in Phillipsburg. In what state? Montana. Oh, okay. You know, you mentioned about 95 degrees being kind of your cutoff for cycling. Did you have uh, other the other extremes of cold when you were sleeping? No, not really. Uh, one night in Ohio, we had uh, uh, thunder, lightning, and you know, rain, and it got kind of cool, mostly because, uh, you know, we got a little bit wet, um, you know, afterwards. But, yeah, no, no, no real cold nights. Nice. And how about... Um, do you guys briefly want to talk about your bikes and your bike setup? You know, I know you said that you're fully contained, but did that mean you were carrying a or dragging a trailer or panniers? Yeah, I'll talk about mine first, and then uh, Steve can talk about his. Um, I am 
you know, mechanical engineer by uh, education. So I, I'm, you know, fanatical about um, the mechanics of bikes. Um, so I bought a special bike from Priority called the Priority 600. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, it, it has a, a nice gearbox where all the gears are in the crank and they're protected against the elements. Uh, so I really like that. And uh, it has a belt drive, so it doesn't have a greasy chain that gets worn out. And so that bike did well. It's about $2,500. And, uh, you know, it was very, very uh, stock, if you will. I changed the handlebars and put on a a little cushion seat post um, and then, you know, put my racks on and and it was ready to go. Um, But uh, we we put on uh, Schwalbe Marathon tires, uh, which Steve and I have had experience with before. And those are two inch, you know, wide tires, but they're extra durable and extra thick. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we weren't worried about the goat head thorns in, you know, the cowboy trail uh, that everyone warned us about. Um, so uh, we only had one flat uh, and I got that uh, outside of Shoshone, Wyoming, you know, Murphy's Law when I uh, when I uh, bonked. Uh, on mile 98 out of 100 <laughs> and walked walked into uh, um, Shoshone uh, with with Steve's help and you know that that city park you talked about we thought there was a motel in that park but there or motel in that city but there wasn't or town and uh, you know we, we it turned out we stayed at that uh, city park and uh, the funny thing is the next morning um, you know we got woken up by the sprinklers uh, I think that oh. happened to us twice twice or maybe three times, but, um, you know, it, it's both funny and annoying, uh, certainly funnier now, um, you know, to, to think about that, but yeah, the city parks were a surprise to me as well. Anyways, I digress. Go ahead, Steve. Well, we certainly got good at looking at the water patterns of the grass and where right. were the sprinklers to come on. So, yeah, we both have, uh, we both were, uh, having a quad set of panniers and a handlebar bag, front and rear racks. We didn't have trailers. Um, you know, it, it, that worked very well for us, a pretty well-balanced uh, bike. I, uh, yeah, I didn't get a single flat traveling across the entire country. So I'm just amazed. And if, if, yeah. that's a, if that is an advertisement for Schwalb Marathon, you know, E-plus tires, then uh, I, I don't know what is. Right, especially since you look at all the different types of terrain. I mean, you know, the gravel you experience, but also just road traffic. There's so many nails and glass and just there's so much junk that those tires are amazing. Yeah, to to, to be sorry to digress here, but um, I have a theory that um, actually, you know, highways and roads with all the, you know, trash on the side or whatever is more dangerous than, you know, the the. Uh, the dirt and gravel and rocky, you know, trails, uh, because that's the sharp stuff. I mean, the, a, a metal staple is what popped my tire in um, Shoshone, Wyoming. Interesting. And I want to go back to that priority bike. Um, I'm assuming since you do a lot of touring that you follow Ryan Van Duzer. Yeah, that was, I, I just didn't spend the extra. He, he has the 600X, which he helped design. Yeah. Um, and that that would be nice. And we did meet one guy uh, that did have one of those bikes, but I didn't really need that. And it was an extra thousand dollars. And I'm a you know cheapskate 
in some regards. So uh, I didn't <laughs> I didn't get the deluxe model. Sure, but he he's been on the podcast a couple times. So if you're curious about that bike, um, you can you know go over to Doozer TV. He's got all kinds of videos about uh, the priority bike and that um, not having a chain on your bike just seems really. it's hard to wrap my head around that but yet after watching his videos and seeing how cool that system is it's definitely something I would like on a bike in the future yeah yeah yeah. I'm just judging from how it behaves the maintenance and what have you that Mike didn't have to perform if I ever I don't know that I'll ever get another touring bike because I'm pretty happy with my rig as it is but I would get a, a belt driven rig just mm-hmm. uh the reliability and, and maintenance freeness of it uh very very good i had to spend i had you know midway i needed to do i needed to buy a new chain and i needed some new brake pads and what have you but that's just standard maintenance you know we pulled into a bike shop well that's actually can segue to one of my questions i wanted to ask you about mishaps whether it's weather wildlife or mechanicals Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we had it all. Um, weather, I suppose the the most memor the two most memorable uh, things were in in Ohio. We were uh, sleeping in Tim's uh, in, Tim in, in uh, Tim's backyard. Uh, he had a vacant lot next to him, and he let us swim in his pond or whatever. And somebody visiting him mentioned that there was you know a storm report that night, but we couldn't find anything in our weather forecast. But I'll be darned if uh, it didn't have severe thunder lightning and probably 60 mile an hour winds we saw oh in the in, in the reports and when you're in a tent that's like being on the inside of a drum during a concert it just <laughs> amplifies everything and uh there was a, a fire next door and uh it, it uh started by lightning and a transformer i think so that was severe but we 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 uh had three days of sort of down trees blocking uh, the trails, um, you know, after that storm uh, until we finally essentially rode out of that storm, if you will, in terms of the uh, the damage uh, after the storm. The second time, I, at least in my head, was the 20 minutes of hail that we got out of uh, Johnstown, uh, Nebraska. That was a tingly feeling as as hail is, but uh, we just made the best of it. And uh, when we got to Johnstown, there's you know one one bar that was the restaurant, and we just sort of dried out in there for a few hours. And um, yeah, those were the worst weather events. Uh, we had wildlife wise, a raccoon ate my um, platypus bag, which was my own stupid mistake. I didn't know they eat plastic like that, but they did. Um, you know, we, we came kind of close to the bison in Yellowstone as, mm. uh, but you know, not on purpose. Right. Um, uh, but that was, you know, we tried to put a car between us and, and feel safer that way. Um, but, um, let's see other wildlife. Yeah. I, I got chased really by two or three dogs in, um, Beverly, Beverly. Uh, Washington. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't ready for it, and I was kind of tired, but boy, that woke me up and uh, <laughs> hustled away from them. And uh, yeah, that was probably the worst dog episode. So I, I did well to let, you know, Mike would generally be 50 yards ahead of me or some, you know, just he's a little bit stronger rider on some days that would grow. But on that particular day, he was maybe 50 yards ahead of me. So I let the jo- dogs chase him. 
<laughs> and then by, by the time I came through the same area, they were tired out and didn't want to have anything to do with me. I had yeah. a similar situation when we were riding across the country. We were down in New Mexico, um, and it was a pack of dogs. And I was kind of in the middle of, you know, there were three of us cycling and the person in the back was all like dogs, dogs, dogs. And we look back and they were actually chihuahuas. So we like <laughs> first, you know, you went from terror to like a pack of dogs. Oh, my gosh. And then we like could not stop laughing. So um, and then I was so nervous that the little guys were going to get, you know, hit by a car. I was like, I want you guys to be strong and you know, you can be a pack, but go back. <laughs> and then I wanted to touch base with, um, you know, the the down trees. Like, it's one thing, you know, to see a down tree, like on a trail or on a road. But when you have all your panniers on and all that weight on your bike, a down tree, like, is a huge game changer, in my opinion. Yeah. that well, that, You know, that was in, in Ohio. And... Uh, you know, we, we lifted, uh, we bushwhacked our way through a lot of times, uh, mm -hmm. you breaking branches. Uh, it dawned on us after a, a dozen or two of those that, hey, there, there could be poison ivy. Um, <sighs> we're used to poison oak in the West, but on these trees, uh-oh. Uh, but it never it never happened. So that was, I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, so one, one of the nights, you know, we we stealth camp or whatever you want to call it about six times. And one of the, t the first time I think was um, sort of between two down trees right on the trail, because we knew no one was coming through there oh, and sure. there were no campgrounds around that area. So um, it actually worked to our advantage, I guess, one day at least. Hmm. All the, all the motels were closed because they did not have power. Oh yeah. And, you know, power was out for three days in that neck of the woods and uh so anyway yeah stealth camping worked out just great we had every we were self-contained so we had everything we needed to sure. just park between two trailheads you know between two down trees yeah yeah um how about a few like i don't know favorite places favorite states favorite towns i'm sure you have a plenty of favorites oh yeah um i mean the, the friendly people, the, well, the people overall when you're touring, that I think that a lot of people would say that um, it is the most fun, meeting all the people and hearing the stories and telling your own stories, et cetera, of the Midwest. Um, in terms of riding, I, I like the Hiawatha Trail, which, uh, of course, you know, you pay $18, but, it, you know, it's kind of worth it because it's just so beautiful going through the forest there and, uh, you know, being at the treetops there on those uh, trestle bridges, et cetera. I really love the the mountains and the tunnels and the rivers uh, all sort of coming together in the Cascades, um, you know, in, in Washington, I guess, in the western, you know, portion of, of uh, Washington state. Uh, so that was, uh, you know, beautiful. Mm -hmm. There kind of are two halves of Washington in the Columbia River divides those two halves. Uh, the eastern half is is very dry and very hot, and and from a trail perspective, the trail is not nearly as uh, nice. But once you get west of the Columbia River and you you climb a a particular pass over an army base and go through a couple cool bridges, whatever, then all of a sudden you're coming down into some really lush territory, and that's what uh, the Cascades, and that's what Mike's talking about, and that indeed was beautiful. I liked Yellowstone. I I've been to Yellowstone once in a in 
when I was a young man traveling across the country in, in a VW bus, but it was different. It was definitely, I, I saw more of it on a bike. Uh, you know, I could take my time. We right. definitely, you know, when you're, when you're in a car, you're just basically fighting traffic. You're trying to find a place to park. You're trying to, you know, and if you need to eat, it turns into a parking job more than an eating job. So when you're on a bike, you can just roll up wherever you want to be. And we, we took lots of, we went to the waterfalls and we went to uh, geysers and, and just all sorts of stuff in Yellowstone that I never saw before because, you know, we gave up mm-hmm. uh, when we were in a car. Uh, the Olympic Peninsula is very beautiful. It's also, it's a lot like the Cascades. Uh, it, I mean, it's it's a rainforest and it's a different, it's different, but it's green and there's, there's the trails are lovely, lovely, lovely. Everybody should do that at least once. And the, but I think the thing that was most eye-opening, enjoyable for me on the whole trip was just the small towns in Iowa and Nebraska and elsewhere. But, you know, the city parks and the meeting, uh, the people who were engaged us mm-hmm. and you know, people were not afraid of us. People were happy to, you know, we were something new for them. And we got to learn a little bit more about, you know, the, the small town nature. And I just loved it. And uh, my my best buddy here, Mike, uh, has, has the gift of gab and he would engage these people. And, all, and I would come along for the ride. And all of a sudden we were just yet laughing and yucking it up and having a good old. <laughs> I love it. And I I have to ask, you know, I live right on the Cedar Valley Nature Trail, which is a north-south trail in um, central Iowa. Um, I assume that you went on that, but do you have any good memories about Iowa? Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I call Iowa, uh, in other words, amazing, uh, instead of the other derogatory ones. Yeah, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) And, and we met, you know, Team Love Shack, a, a rag bride team yeah. of, uh, a, you know, big party group and their, their hippie bus, their party bus. Um, and that was uh, that was uh, very fun. I remember reading uh, meeting Nicole, I think, as we rode into town and she uh, met us on the trail and rode along with us and uh, offered her help and, uh, you know, gave a recommendation of where to eat uh, lunch in Cedar Rapids. And, uh, yeah, we had a, a good time uh, there in Iowa. Excellent. We also stayed at our first uh, warm showers uh, in, in Cedar Rapids or just outside of it. Yeah, Waterloo, yeah. And the, uh, and the trail is just beautiful. It's a beautiful trail. And, you know, it's one of the best and, uh, uh, in the whole country. I mean, there's, there's, there's plenty of very nice ones, but it certainly was up there. We certainly had a great day riding uh, as we approached and then left uh, Cedar Rapids. There's a, a park downtown that has all sorts of meandering uh, rail trails. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. Awesome. That's great to hear. Okay, so you've finished this epic trip, and I know that you've done many other long endurance touring trips. But this one specifically, you know, your 90 days of... All you do is ride your bike, set up camp, eat, sleep, repeat. Uh, how Did you have any struggles with transitioning back to, I'm going to put it in quotes, but like normal life? Yeah, the, uh, my uh, my wife's friend said, well, Mike's going to be a little feral when he comes home, so you <laughs> might want to have him camp in the backyard in reference to, you know, cats that are feral. Uh, but no, it was... Uh, 
you know, when you travel and, and you rough it basically for, you know, 90 days, uh, you, you take things for granted. So it, it was actually all this welcome stuff, like, you know, uh, not having to set up and tear down the tent and having two ply toilet paper and, and, uh, right. <laughs> everything at, right at your fingertips. So, uh, no, it was, uh, it was pretty easy. I agree with that. I, it definitely, I was, you know, frankly, I, I was looking forward to getting home. Uh, you know, I love my wife. I love my home. So, you know, but the, the comforts of home certainly are comfortable. So it, it was not difficult to transition. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave that as a reason not to go on a bicycle tour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's and um, I already said this a second ago, but you, I don't know if it's both of you together, but you've, I know at least Mike has been long distance touring for a very, very long time. I, I mean, as in, you know, at least 10 years. But what is it about it that's so appealing? You know, something different every day um, and then surviving on your your skills, I guess. Um, everything from, you know, talking with people to, you know, navigating to, you know, uh, hoofing it up the hill or whatever. Um, so mm -hmm. I like that aspect of it. But if I had to boil it to one sentence, it's uh, something different and new each day. Yeah, I agree. How about you, Steve? Uh, you know, Mike plans to be spontaneous. And this uh, bicycle touring <laughs> ensures that he can he can be spontaneous every day. <laughs> um, for me, uh, rising and sleeping with the sun is very calming. Uh, Riding many hours every day, getting the exercise is very calming. I love the fact that you can eat with impunity and have as much ice cream as you want, yes. two ice creams in two different cities if you want. I was reading uh, Adventure Cycling. Uh, in the most recent edition, there's a woman who has uh, diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, Helena Kotala, and she quotes many benefits of cycling. Um, she talks about endorphins and stress, you know, optic flow, you know, the idea of stuff just passing by you as you ride, calms nerves that make mm -hmm. your nerves that makes you stressed out or whatever. And just the idea of stuff going by you at the rate that it goes by you as you're riding a bicycle. And I really related to an awful lot of the things that she said. I don't I don't, I don't know about the science. I'm not a I'm not a. a not a health sciences person by any means. All I know is that I'm really happy when I ride my bike mm -hmm. and riding my bike for 90 days. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty happy right now. I'm still happy. I'm still enjoying it. <laughs> the residual effects of that ride have continued, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I don't even know if we said this in the beginning, but this is an event that you, you guys basically just completed this last month, right? Yeah, September 3rd, I think. It was basically June 3rd to September 3rd of 2022. Okay, okay. You've been on, I don't know, well, I, I, let me ask, how many tours have you guys been on together? Probably about eight or so. Um, you know, some of them are just uh, two nights and some are 22 nights. But uh, Steve, you, you go through, you probably uh, have a better memory of, of the list than I do. I don't have the list in front of me, but we started uh, probably in 2007 or so riding so it'd be a good safe to say we've been doing it for 15 years together now mike did a tour of, of europe when he was college age um so if you want to count that in then we're talking 40 some years i imagine <laughs> right right but, but uh together 
we have uh, we call ourselves the Ready Riders. We've done, I would say, uh, probably a dozen tours if you want to count the one and two day tours and, and the week long tours, and and some of them were pretty significant. Prior to this, the longest that we had done was Seattle to San Francisco. Mm. Uh, did the Notches Trace. Uh, we had done the uh, Erie Canal. We've done a Cascades tour. And then we had a few down the Pacific Coast. Um, Mike has done a few with a few other buddies. Uh, one, one summer when I was uh, laid up for a medical reason, he, he did a three-week tour with some other buddies uh, also. And so I would, you know, 8, 10, 12, I can't remember right now. Yeah, but significant amount of uh, traveling together. And at least based on this podcast, you're still friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely have different styles. Um, you know, uh, I, I tend to shoot from the hip and, uh, you know, make things up as I go along. And Steve's more of a planner, but together, you know, it balances out, I'd say. Sure. So do you have uh, another tour in mind for the future? Not really. We've talked about it uh, possibly, but, you know, Ragbri seems fun. Uh, you know, we met a lot of Ragbri riders, and, and that's a week. And, you know, my wife and I talked, and, you know, the limit's about three weeks uh, in terms of, you know, what is ha- much harder after that. Um, also, I asked a buddy who did the Great Divide, you know, what's the juiciest part of the Great Divide mountain bike ride? Mm. He said uh, Colorado, probably. Um, he said uh, Montana was too much hike a bike, you know, relatively speaking. So uh, that that's on my radar, um, but yeah, nothing nothing planned on the calendar yet. I would like to get familiar with Adventure Cycling Group. They've got a lot of tours that yeah. they recommend, and a lot of them are probably a week or two or something. I I think that I will probably I don't need to do three months anytime soon again. Uh, that was that was epic, but I to me the perfect duration would be two or three weeks. I think, you know, one week is not enough, I think, because as easy it is as it is, you just don't get into the flow. You don't get into the groove sure. uh, yep. in, in a week and then it's over. So, you know, this is one of the things about this great American tour that we did is that we were in a flow. We were we were we had the drill down. We were we were laughing and we, you know, each day was not. It wasn't formidable. It was it was comfortable, and you know that's because we were in a total groove, mm-hmm. uh, and and I loved that. And I don't think you can do that in one week. I can't. Let me just say I can't do that in one week. I I need a couple of three weeks in order to get get in that groove. So I'm gonna I'm gonna look for tours that are a couple of three weeks. I think we did the southern tier when we did went across America, and it took 65 days. And I can completely agree with you. When Once you get in that groove, it is just like everything works like clockwork. Everyone has their little jobs, even though we don't really say it out loud. Um, but for me, probably day 56, 57, I was ready to be done. <laughs> so I don't know about doing a 90-day trip, but man experiencing the great American rail trail is going to be, um, I want to experience more of it. We, uh, we specifically took East to West for a couple reasons. You know, we wanted to, 
you know, quote, come, I wanted to come home, you know, in the direction of West is the, the direction the country was developed and populated. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but more importantly, logistically, it let us practice on the, on the relatively easy stuff in the East, you know, the, um, the CNO, uh, you know, Chesapeake and Ohio Mm -hmm. that we started with out of Washington, DC and, and, uh, the Great Allegheny Passage, uh, the Gap for short, um, those were very easy, you know, compared to Wyoming and, and Montana, um, both in hills and just, you know, developments and campgrounds along the way. So um, that was uh, that was the reason we went uh, east to west. I, I totally, it was easy to get in the groove on the Gap and the CNO and you know, when those ended in, in Pittsburgh, then, then we kind of had to begin to, you know, that took that took us eight or 10 days, I think, and we got to Pittsburgh, and then all of a sudden it was a little different nature. We had to, we had to get into the groove of, of figuring, you know, a little more figuring out, mm-hmm. but the, the, the physical and the packing and the, you know, just the daily routine, we had that part down, and we we're ready to take on what turned out to be a little bit more challenges of, of just sort of the next level of, of figuring things out. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't as easy once we got off those two trails, but that was, a, that was a great conditioning and, and going, everybody had told us, you know, going East to West, Oh, you're going against the prevailing winds. Well, I don't think winds were ever a serious factor in the entire trip. Um, you know, they, we had side winds and sure on a few days, it didn't matter which direction we were heading at the moment. You'd always encounter a, some sort of a headwind. Right. You know, at some point in your ride, you're going to you're going to have a headwind. But there was never the you know, the just, you know, never ending heavy headwinds that, that caused us to get discouraged. We didn't have that problem. We went east to west. So. Well, I do know one thing that's pretty cool is that you documented this adventure uh, via blog. Do you want to share with people how they can read up? Yeah, you know, we bought a domain name, or I bought a domain name called ReadyRiders.Bike. Um, right now, you know, redirects, um, you know, to a, a WordPress site. But um, it originally started out as a selfish thing. We just wanted to, I wanted to write a story every day so we'd remember what we did, you know. So when we're old and bedridden, <laughs> we can read about how <laughs> how fun things were when we were younger, that sort of thing. But just document the people, you know, that we met and the, the stories. Um, so, yeah, that and, you know, it turned out that you know, a lot of our friends and family, you know, followed it daily and just drank their cup of coffee in the morning because it would just arrive in their uh, email inbox. And uh, I tried to keep it short. You know, people would give me a hard time because I would try to keep it between two and three hundred words um, and, you know, at least four pictures. Um, and that was a challenge at times, but uh, it was, a lot, frankly, a lot easier, you know, in 2022 than it was in, in 2012, or whatever, when I, I think I did my first, you know, blog. But I find it fresh in your mind, you know, uh, I would do it, I write usually and publish it in the morning uh, about the previous day. So just because I'm a morning person and also um, it gave a chance for, for the, the previous day to solidify in my brain and, and the memory and, and uh, put things in perspective. But doing it every day was, uh, I think, you know, good because it's all, you know, fresh in your mind and, and you're not, you know, recalling it from weeks ago. Yeah, I also did the same thing when we went across the United States 
And I just, you know, kept a notes, a constant note for each day of how many miles and fun things we saw and maybe feelings I had. And it's interesting to look back at it and you're like, oh, I totally forgot we were here or we went to this place. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're the only uh, the restrictions uh, sometimes is, uh, you know, we had stories we really couldn't tell because they're too controversial in the blog. <laughs> um, and uh, But, uh, you know, that's that's, uh, uh, I think, understood, understandable. Okay, so if people just Google Ready Riders, they should be able to find that WordPress blog, right? Yeah, readyriders.bike is the URL. Um, a few years ago, they have all these different domain endings, like, you know, not just .com and .org, but .bike. So we decided to do that, readyriders.bike. Love it. Well, Mike and Steve, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. And I look forward to checking out that blog for future adventures as well. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thank, thank you, Kathy. Thank you so much for having us. I enjoyed clicking around on morphology. Oh, cool. Uh, and I, I think I happened to have clicked uh, on that day that you were describing you know, somewhere 50-something out of 60-something, you were talking to a, fr a friend or you were on somebody else's podcast, I think. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I was listening to the interaction there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks, guys. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for this week. A few great deals to send your way. Use code MURFOLOGY at hammerhead.io to get a free heart rate monitor with your crew, too. And a shout out to Lily Trotter's compression socks. Use code MURFOLOGY to get 20% off your purchase of the best compression socks. Also use code PRIMALMURF for 20% off your Primal Wear cycling gear at primalwear.com. Of course, email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com if you have a topic or the name of a cyclist you find interesting. Support my podcast at patreon.com slash morphology and visit my Facebook, Instagram, and website for daily entertainment. I have more great episodes in the pipeline, so I hope you continue to be a Morphology Podcast listener. Listener.